0: You look really comfortable. I'm very comfortable.
1: I can see your shorts. Whoa, hold up. can see your face.
0: Stop. Stop what? Whoa, whoa.
1: Welcome <laughs> to Practical Shooting After
0: Dark. Oh, yeah, Joel's running the show today because I'm
1: yes. remote. Yes. <laughs> Pay attention Be on your best behavior. It's like, whoa, I didn't know where this is going. Let's start this show up. Uh, I am your uh, co-host, Joel, on deck, we have a man that needs no introduction, Matt Hopkins. Steve Newell. Oh, Hi. Matt Hopkins.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, Stevie. We're
2: clearly all on the same page here. How I don't many...
0: feel like any of you need an introduction as far as I'm concerned, but.
1: No, Steve, Steve's been on the podcast before. Uh, we call you, what, PH? Steven with a PH. Call I call you, you Stevie. Yeah, Stefan, Stevie. All these are terms of endearment, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's whatever. I don't really care.
1: Well, you're pretty pretty likable.
2: (laughs) That was (laughs) funny today.
3: (laughs) No, the funny thing is what Ben is drinking right now. Yeah, are you drinking a
2: fucking Truly?
3: Yes. (laughs) A lemonade Truly. Shut up,
2: guys.
0: I didn't know you lost self-respect. Oh, that was a long time ago, bro. (laughs)
1: That
0: was... It was uh let me tell you about it. It was nineteen ninety one and there I was and it was just gone. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. seven years old. Then my mom's bigger yeah. than me. <laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead, Ben.
0: Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, we have a we have a bang up show. So uh, we do. uh so today's gonna be a little bit different than normal. Normally everybody comes with the topic. Two of you monkeys shot area eight. Uh, was that last weekend? Steve, yeah. where, the, where is, the hell is your video? I'm trying to get your video, your video talk through for Practical Shooting Training Group that you oh. you said you were going to do and that I mean, you clearly have forgotten yeah. about. I'm that one. He's working on it. Working on city,
2: it. Great. Great. So once uh, that it's, gets done, it's coming, that's going to be to fantastic. My, I'm trying to get my iPad running. It just, it just fucked off on me today. That's what to
0: Apple, like I, iPads, especially the new ones like the one you got this year, they're known for not working properly. Yeah, I've so. had
1: I've had problems with mine too. Like I, uh, the only problem I've had is, I guess, if it runs out of battery. But as long as I keep it like charged appropriately, I just turn it on and it works. And if I wanted to do stuff, I just this is like, what hit happens when you're.
0: Tr- he's sitting yeah. there trying to torrent the entire internet full of porn, and it's not working. And you've ruined your your iPad,
1: sir. So anyway, <laughs> so after we talk about area
2: eight, really.
1: Just stop. Well, I
0: see. I should say the reason that I want your your footage posted to training group, but I'd love your talk through and your thoughts to the extent that you're able to, you know,
1: articulate whatever. Articulate.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Is because you you had a really great performance. You
2: won single stack by what? Something like thirty eight percent or something? Something stupid. Was, it was a bit egregious. It was eleven and a or it was ten and a half. I think. Who's
0: counting? Doesn't matter. But you won. He <laughs> won by a lot. So that I'd love to have that footage and
2: see yeah. what's going on there but no i'm working anyway i've i legitimately have tried to restore my ipad four times today and it's failed every time so i'm trying to address this issue
0: mm-hmm. all right well you're on it so fair enough uh and then after we talk about area eight um we got to catch up with questions so i've got four of them sitting here that are oh, baby. Uh, varying degrees of interest but there's at least there's there's something here for everybody let me tell you we've got an equipment question uh um, that's a good we ben got question. helping it matches question yeah
1: reloading um, and equipment we got
0: yes that's yeah <laughs> I, I do those and a class taking question that one's for joel okay yes
1: question
0: yeah what, don't you'll find out you guys yeah, know the questions are always a surprise
1: it'll be good <laughs> uh yeah uh, but anyway area eight was interesting uh i've seen a lot of chatter about it online uh saying it was really good and apparently they had what a good mix of short medium and long courses i mean i don't so, want to just tell uh, me about uh, it
0: the mat seeing stuff online saying a match is good but not really giving a reason that it was good i typically ignore that it's not to be taken seriously um but you guys have some specific reasons i'd love to hear about it so let's uh steve why don't you tell, tell us what you liked about area eight because i i assume you liked it right
2: Oh, no, I liked it. I thought it was a really good match. Um, so the thing that made it kind of unique was they followed a 3 to one format like IPSC. Um So there was a lot of 12-round courses, but, like, in these little 12-round courses, they tested a lot of skills. Like, you had a low port with some pretty far small poppers and some partial targets and a swinger with a little activating sequence, and, like, I think that one was a 14-round course. So it was like there's a lot of different skills involved, but it was still very short.
0: So this is not to put words in, in your mouth, um, but I think – well, Hopkins, you've shot enough internationally. You know that the way we do short courses in the U.S. is typically pretty boring. It's like stand in a box, shoot Classifier. the stuff. A lot of times it's Virginia count. Yeah, but you're saying this was not that. This looked no. like international IPSC style. It was exactly. opposite of that. Yeah. it was Yeah. Like, it was really- so Matt, you also so you would agree with that. You like yeah, the the rate so the, the three two one. You like that?
3: I, th- I thought it was good, and I actually during the match I did not recognize it as a three two one match. I thought so. This is what I figured out after like walking the stages and thinking about them. I'm like, they set out to do a specific thing on each stage, or maybe two things, and they added zero fluff to it. So hey, they could literally. I-
0: can I make a confession to you guys that's on the same line? Yeah. So I've done video. I do, you know, obviously a lot of video reviews. I think I've watched four or five people's area eight footage and given feedback on it. I did not realize it was a three, two, one. Until mm. now that you're telling me, like, I wouldn't have picked that out. So I, I was just watching the shooting and the stages. It all looked, you know, look pretty interesting. look good. Whatever.
3: Yeah. yeah. It, all right. So, sorry. No, they it was like I didn't recognize it through to one till the after action survey they did, which was actually a very nice thing. They sent a survey monkey thing out to everybody and asked people to fill it out. So, of course, I did and sent feedback. And I actually didn't stay anonymous with it. I was very raw to them and told them like everything that I thought and everything. But and then I actually included my name and email at the end. So they could actually have some
0: context to it. So I, have, I do have a question about that, Matt.
2: Yeah.
0: So you, you two, you two are probably a little bit different than the normal demographic, right? Very serious, higher level guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, what do you think the average like uh, Joe, Bob, C class thought about the the ratio? Or did you get a sense of that talking to other people? I'm just I'm just curious. I think
2: that's know. above like other like the average person probably wouldn't have picked up on it. They probably you, picked, wait you
0: think they didn't even notice where they're like why are all these 12 round stages here i, I came here to shoot most people it wasn't like answered.
2: that they oh, probably okay. would have picked up more that there was no classifier style stages or standard stages than anything else because okay. even even the small courses had two positions and and like different ways to go about it
3: yeah so. i like it the uh i think the thing was I don't know if they'd pick out round count. I think they would think that the match was limited because of base size. They used base size really well. Like, the small bays, they put a 10-round stage on it. But they didn't, like... Didn't like, they had some big stages, but they were on the bigger base. So I think that, like, people thought they were limited by the base size. That's what I would
0: think.
1: Interesting. I think it's interesting they sent you guys a survey. Because uh, if they went to all that hassle, that must mean they're actually interested in feedback. Because yeah. if, I, if I just wanted you to tell me how good it was, I'd be like, hey, Matt, did you have a good time? Like, while I'm loading my magazines or something else, you'd be like, yeah, I had the best time ever. You're like, good. And you walk well, over to the, the next person. This is yeah. telling
0: you match directors are getting wise to the fact that non specific positive feedback on social media is not to be taken seriously. Yeah. It's just, yeah, great match. It is amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah, what I, I mean, that shit means nothing.
1: No, but if they actually went to the hassle, like, it's yes. a pain to set up those surveys. That means they're actually they must be genuinely interested, and the option to stay anonymous means if you thought it sucked, you could actually say, "Hey, these are the things I didn't like. I wish this was different." So that's really good. I like that.
0: No, that's 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 a very productive attitude on the match director's part. Mm -hmm. So
3: everything I dealt with the area eight. So CZ sponsored it. Like they were very good to work with. Uh, Very open communication. Very easy to deal with. Like everything was good on that aspect of it. And I think they actually do care. Like, even the after-action survey kind of proves that.
0: No, definitely. That's fantastic.
2: The the stages seem like they had, you know, they were well thought out. Like Matt said, they wanted to test a thing, and they didn't just put in random bullshit to try to make it look like a fluffy stage. Like, they would test one thing, and... Uh, another thing they did well is there was options and like legitimate options, not like a when well, you can hit this steel from over here, but there's literally no reason to because I'm just gonna get closer and it'll be in the yeah. order array. Anyways, there was like legitimate options. Like um, I believe it was stage five on the left array, you could see these two targets at an angle and you had to cross over them to hit all the targets in the array. And the second array was you were a bit closer. But you could just blow past that array and shoot this hardcover, or yeah, this hardcover target on the move, and just never stop there. Had you chose to shoot it earlier, so that was like a legitimate decision. It wasn't like there was an objectively better solution there. So I thought that was really well executed um, by them. There was there was a lot of different ways to attack different stages,
3: and they had like a like another stage. I think probably six or something right after that stage. Stephen was just talking about. Or at the end where you could shoot a basically a mini popper at like twenty five yards or thirty yards. Or you could, or you could get that like through a two foot port like low on the ground and it's only ten yards away. Like
1: yeah.
3: so that like there was options there and I think that stage actually probably equaled out on which way you shot it.
2: I shot it through the low port because I was like, hmm, I'm shooting fucking iron sights in a low cap division and it also would have forced me into almost a standing reload there um so So that was that was a
3: lot a lot of that one had to depend on the division so i think all the high cap people shot it from the back and no one shot through the port just Uh, because of browning
2: browning shot it from the low port too
3: oh did he okay that was
2: more of an iron sights versus dot decision on his end um makes sense
3: yeah uh i did know that like that exact same thing like it being a low port Cause the shooters that were taller to not even consider it. Yeah, because it was such a low port. So yeah, uh, there's different ways to do it.
1: There was one other thing that I. Go oh ahead. Sorry. What
2: was that?
1: There's one other thing that I don't normally see. At area matches. It. Am I correct? It was a one day only for yes. shooting. There was no like an AM PM option. Is that correct?
2: No. Tell me more about that and how did it go? Honestly, I like it. I hate warming up and cooling off and then warming up again. Like, I would rather just get it fucking done in one day. The only downside I could see is I was trying to get into town the night before and then get out of town the same night I shot, but I couldn't find a plane flight light in, uh, late enough. The latest one I could find was six 630 And it was an hour and a half away from the range. I was like, there's no way I'm fucking making that. So that was the only downside. Had I finished at noon, I could have just bounced that night. But
1: But you would have been there another day, too.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: So when did you what time of the day did you start and stop then? Were you like running out of daylight?
2: My squad finished at three thirty. What? Started at eight. Yeah.
1: That's pretty impressive. What were squad sizes?
2: 10 i think it was it was 10 oh we had we had you know we had a no show um so um
3: we had 13 on our squad we backed up to the squads in front of us basically on every basically the first seven bays out of 11 days um and there was a weather delay on our thing i think we were done by 4 30 though what day did you shoot matt saturday
2: Okay, That's Sunday. still pretty Sunday impressive. We any, Sunday we didn't have any weather things. There was one backup, but it was due to a stage getting thrown out. Um, they had yeah. an inconsistent uh, activation for a swinger, so they threw the stage out, and it was supposed to be a double bay. So now you have this 12-round course, and that led up to, I think, the longest stage of the match, which was the big arrow yeah, sure. stage. Yeah. Um, so it caused a backup there. I got lucky because I started on that 12-round stage, so I never had to wait.
3: Oh, that's nice. That's actually really good.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't have to wait on any you,
3: you had like a little long pause. So Stephen mentioned them throwing out a stage because the swingers did not activate consistently. Yeah. Over the first day, so they threw that stage out on day one of the match. Not, they didn't wait around and like see and like let people shoot it. Like as soon as they recognized it was an issue, they tossed the stage. So
0: how big of an issue do you reckon? Do you,
2: do you reckon it was, Matt?
3: I have no idea. Like, so what would I did you didn't guess? Even,
2: from from what I heard, um, from talking to the people roing that bay, in the first squad they had eight reshoots because of
0: that oh, Yeah, so they just so they just smoked it. That was so that was that's a
1: very the right decision.
2: It sounds like yeah,
1: and wasting Instead everyone's to, time to shoot it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Instead of trying to you know save it or whatever, just like get it the fuck out of the match and move on. Just, uh, yeah, amputate it now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a really well put together match. Everyone was kind of making fun of the big arrow stage because there was a lot of shots that were relatively close to the 180. It was. I, I think people are just kind of being pussies about it, really. Like, Well, maybe they don't want to get DQ'd, Steve.
0: Yeah.
2: Or, yeah, then then don't break the 180. It's really fucking simple. <laughs> if you say so. We'll have a question coming
0: up later on that topic that I think you might might find interesting. I think you had to to kind of be on the ground, but I did think the way that last array on the left was,
3: I would say it was a little over the top. Like, the way they did it, like, you had to shoot, like, a target at 170 and then, like, go transition to 150 and then, like, work back to 170 on it. Like, it was weird. Yeah,
2: it was a little weird. My issue with that stage, and this happened kind of twice in the match that I can remember off the top of my head, is there were some areas that were really congested with shooting, so it wasn't really fun for low cap divisions. Like, essentially, in that area at the at kind of the point in that stage, because the, the shooting area was an arrow, at that back point, you're looking at 18 shots from that one position.
1: Oh, baby. And, it, and yeah. it just
2: kind of felt shitty having to do, like, the plan was to do a standing reload. There, there wasn't really another another plan, you know. So that that kind of felt shitty. And kind of the same with the um stage that had the long shot. It seemed like it was almost a shoe in to just do a standing reload to be optimal.
3: Um that was which, basically that long shot one was basically two positions and yeah.
2: It was it on was the front
3: of the stage. <laughs> dude, honestly it was though. I mean, really like you ran to the front of the stage. And then you shot, like, 18 rounds, like, nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Within, within like, three steps.
2: Yeah. Well, but basically had to do another standing reload at the front because I'm sure... That's kind of been the way stage design's going lately, guys, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it was still more interesting than uh, what I call boomer USPSA stages, which is just, like, four positions of eight at, like, three yards. And then you have (laughs) the old guys that are, like... It's not a running sport; it's a shooting sport.
3: No, <laughs> nothing, so. nothing that this match was out of control or like no.
2: anything like that.
1: It was, no, it it sounds, was very... sounds good. I
2: was uh, a really big fan difference. of the Go ahead, uh, I, was a, I was a really big fan of the. There's a unloaded start where you ended on like a wobbly platform. And it, was a, it was a relatively small stage, but it was a really fun one. I think that had like there was a lot in it without it being a massive
3: stage so one thing on that one i thought was interesting like everybody got up and walked on the wobbly platform like during the walkthrough and then everybody that shot the stage and came off said it felt differently so i don't know if you noticed it Stephen, but like when you got up on it and like the first movement of the platform like moved forward and then like when it went backwards it stopped abruptly and it felt like someone stopped it It was just weird like during the walkthrough i didn't feel that or anything but like during the shooting i noticed it, and i was like oh that's a little weird
2: i actually noticed it when i went for the last popper i didn't notice it when i got on because i just came up and i just hammered that paper real quick because i was like while it's settling i'm just going to shoot this paper but after i shot the skunk on the left um and i kind of jerked my body over to get that last popper into view i actually had a couple makeups because the platform was moving enough to actually screw up my sight picture on that
3: yeah it was interesting it was like yeah. the it was like a probably a four by four or five by five square box that was suspended nice. yeah
1: no oh, it sounds like you guys had a good time i like it. it was
3: totally safe i thought it was fair like yeah. it was 10 rounds on the platform six rounds off of it empty gun pretty interesting stage
1: yeah
2: i thought it was a really good stage um, no. And my squad. Right. So, do you have any anything, other comments about the match generally? No, I was just going to say I had fun with my squad. I squatted with Browning from AMU, who I was on the Marine Corps shooting team with. So, we had a good time just kind of messing around and uh, having fun together. And I got to meet uh, one of the guys on the Marine Corps shooting team who actually won carry optics.
1: Nice.
2: And Dude, yeah. He was cool too. <laughs>
1: No, it no, sounds like you guys said,
2: had a good he's time. He's a sandbagging motherfucker, though.
3: He's a yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs>
1: sandbagging does not happen in USPSA. Uh,
0: All right, should we move on to the questions we have?
1: Let's do Is it. it sure.
0: All right. I have a question for the podcast. I'd love to hear your answer and the guest's answers as well. Other than your own, whose training class would you recommend for a serious USPSA shooter? Thanks. I really enjoy the podcast books and training group forum. So, whose class would, would you recommend other than
1: mine, Joel? Uh, I actually, well, Ben and I oh. have talked about this privately. Uh, Do you I agree. Wanna, yeah, I want to get in a Mason Lane class, either Ben or I, for training. Oh, no, night, hold on! Hold
0: on! Hold on! I can't recommend a Mason Lane class really because I haven't taken one. I am, no, no. I'll be in. I'll be in one in October.
1: Correct. No, no, that's what I'm saying is I haven't taken one. I think I like Mason. Uh, he's quite good, and so I'm interested to see what his program is, but. I haven't been in one of his classes yet. Uh, otherwise, who else? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of good, a lot of good shooting instructors out there, and I think any instructor that's credible. If like, if Matt asks me, like, "Hey, should I go take this person's class?" Be like, yeah, if you think well, they can do something, go. Well, I mean, I mean,
0: realistically, like, who's on the list as far as like, name, like US, like guys that just do USPSA instruction, basically travel around and do it. There's like four guys or five guys.
2: Max, well, I, Cheryl, JJ, TPC.
0: Yeah, there's not that many, and I have people come through classes all the time that go to other cl- go to those other classes, and they seem more or less happy with them. Yeah, you know what I mean? They're like, yeah, I just I did this Max class last week, and I learned this and this, and it's like, yeah, okay, cool, like that's good. So I I would say that. I mean, realistically, you're going to be if you're like you live where you live, and if one of those people comes and has a class within two or three hours of you. And you have the money and the time. I don't like. Why not? Like fuck it. Go take. Go take the class. But as far as classes that I, I pers- like, instructors, I would. Pu- I push people towards. Um. Man, I don't. I. I don't know. I, I. I turn. I tend not to. I don't even push people towards my own classes. So it's difficult for me to really push someone towards someone else's. What do you think? I mean, I'm taking a
2: TPC class and a Max Michelle class, and I was at very different levels when I took it. Like, when I took TPC uh, TPC class, I was pretty much set in my techniques and everything, and I wasn't a fan of it because they were teaching their techniques, and I was like, I'm not going to switch to these. Like, I'm already set in my ways, you know. But when I took a Max class, it was like when I first started out, I'd been shooting or I'd been practicing for three months, and I took a Max class, so it was just like, everything was new to me and it seemed awesome but that could have just been because i didn't know anything at that point so yeah it's hard Uh for me to really give an accurate like assumption about it because of the the classes i've taken i was at such different levels at every point of the way
1: the other thing that i think is quite important is the instructor and their personality and if you (laughs) like (laughs) Uh, so if you like watch any uh, i'll say something i guess a little i'll take a stand Uh, any instructor they need to be demoing stuff i just i i I would not go to a class that the instructor doesn't have a gun or doesn't demo and if you go to the class so any instructor hopefully if they're good they're going to have some material online facebook instagram like promo stuff so you watch them shooting Mm -hmm. if you like what you see listen to them talk and if you kind of like their program, you like the way they're talking, like Ben, you know, like, you listen to Ben's, it's like, hey, it's kind of like, don't think about it too hard. He's good at breaking stuff down. It looks like, you know, I see him, Ben can shoot well. It's like, hey, this looks like something interesting I'd want to take a class from. And it maybe on the other hand, you're like, hey, Ben's pretty good at shooting, but I think he's a jackass. Then maybe I wouldn't want to take maybe a class a, from Ben. That'd be a lot of that. <laughs> of, no, no, I've seriously. Person, because <laughs> Ben understands, like, Ben's very good at shooting, but I just don't. He's not a person. Maybe that I just would, think I just think, think he's an asshole.
0: Yeah. Then I'll totally.
2: Then, yeah, I would be like, okay.
0: Yeah, and that's so my first doesn't hurt, class it doesn't hurt. doesn't hurt. my feelings, anybody. You know, in my
2: first class with Ben. There was a student at the end who was like, "Can you just say something nice to me?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ben's not that mean for crying out loud. No, it's just an example at Ben's expense. But still, uh, I think watching the, the, the trainer, the instructor's <laughs> material they have online. Do you like their program? Do you like you know the way they're talking? Does that make sense? That seem like somebody you'd want to learn from. Because
0: I, I will, I will say this. Um, in addition to that, Joel, what you're saying is smart. Like, look at the stuff that's out there because there's going to be stuff for any instructor. But on top, I mean, you can look at as far as how long someone's been around. Like, I'll use Max as a, as an example. Never taken a Max class myself, and I don't know the dude personally. But he's been around teaching a long time. And what he does is pretty polished. You know what I mean? So there's a little bit like just the fact that he's been around longer doing it. I think that does help just get get like more comfortable. I know for me, I was young when I started. Like I was probably a little too young, but I was pretty young when I started. And I didn't get super comfortable for like five years of doing it. You know what I mean? So there's there is a pattern where. Uh, USP, USPSA instructors especially they get kind of successful in, in shooting and then you'll see them go hot and heavy doing classes all over the place for like a year and then that really slows down you know what I mean you guys have seen this pattern play out you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about so it's like I, if, if money or whatever is tight you probably pass on being in the classes for that first year when that person's going hard And then if you see that they keep, they're still around, they're still present, they're still training for years after that, then you're like, okay, so they probably got over the hump of that and like they're still doing it. But there's quite a there's a lot of people that they they do some basic math about how much money they think they can make in a weekend if they're filling up classes, and then they jump at it, you know, for the financial reward they think is gonna be there. And then after a year of doing it real hard and traveling a lot and dealing with a lot of strangers and stuff I mean it's it's really it's not for everyone it's a it's a pretty strange gig so that'll that can help uh kind of weed some people out whatever that's just my that's that is, my take
1: that's very accurate
0: <laughs> yes it is <laughs> all right so that's a good one let's move on to the next question asshole question here but i'm an asshole so here it goes spent my first year deciding between pcc and production Shot nationals with PCC, learned a lot. Ultimately, decided on a production. Got to know everyone in my club. Started helping out during matches, running a timer an iPad, etc. And lately, it seems like my match suffers because all I do is run guys through or run the pad and score. Doesn't leave the time I would like for stage prep and working on my shit. At sectional, I decided to run an iPad or timer, and I just I declined to run an iPad or timer, focused on my stage planning. Didn't talk to anyone, who stayed focused, and ended up winning my division and cl- class. Some of the guys weren't too happy they didn't help out like they usually do, so I guess I'm an asshole. What is the correct balance between helping out at matches and actually trying to fucking win? I love the club and the shooters, but I want to get better and win matches, just not hobby it up like a lot of these people. All right, so I'll, I'm going to say two things here. Like, I'll, I'll give you two personal experiences for, for me, like a kind of lines I've drawn. Back in my days of when I had to drive an hour and a half to set up the club matches— um, when I started shooting, I was I was doing setup a lot. I just this lasted for a few years. Um, I had to drive an hour and a half to do setup. But I was driving to a shooting range and I wanted to practice and setup was the day before the match. So I drive down there and if the there if the other guy like this was uh, a guy who's a friend of mine now, another section coordinator, but if he was there and he was starting setup, Mike, my, my attitude is like, yeah, fuck you, I'm gonna practice. Like I'm gonna shoot for an hour before I get hot, sweaty, tired, or whatever, and then I'll set up. I'll set up till, till midnight. I don't care, but I'm going to shoot first. I'm going to do my practice when I'm fresh. you know. And I think like drawing the line there for me was good. That was helpful, and it meant that I could do more productive practice, and I wasn't like just giving over all my time to, to setting up the match. And then the other thing is, if you're at a club match or really any kind of match and you're working, you're, you're the RO, or you're the uh, the scorekeeper, or you're doing anything, like two or three shooters before you're up to shoot under normal circumstances. You know what I mean? If there's ten people on the squad, like you you have to assert yourself and hand your job off to someone else. Like you have to put your foot down, hand off your job, focus on your shooting, do your mental rehearsals, shoot, and then you know refill your mags or whatever, whatever you got to do, and then pick your job back up. So, you do have to assert yourself at some point. Um, and and like, I think that's where I draw the line. Like, two or three people before I shoot, like I'm not going to do anything now. Like, take the, take the timer and I'll take it back later. So, all right, that's what I got. What do you, anybody have uh, maybe a different read on that?
2: Um, I, I kind of am more of a dick than you. If I'm four people, five people down, I'll just, if no one wants to take the timer, I'll just put it down and just
3: fuck off. <laughs> well, I'm the same, I'm just, I'm the same right? way as you said 100%. You like, guys are I'll both ask, definitely
0: bigger dickheads than me. No, and I'll, yeah, I'll, nice. ask,
3: I'll be like, guys, someone needs to run this. And, like, if they don't step up and do it, it just gets sat down. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you don't I shoot, shoot until someone grabs point. it. Yeah.
2: Like, that's totally acceptable, though. Like, like, everyone's supposed to pull their own weight. I, I've that, actually been in a situation before where I was one of two ROs on a squad, and it was 20-man squads with a bunch of new shooters. and then Oh, you've been to Richmond.
0: You've been to Richmond,
2: too, huh?
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, go ahead, was sorry. terrible. I was, just, uh, I was just talking
2: about how bad it
1: was. Uh, I do. I am MD for our club, I guess, the majority of our club matches. And uh, the, one thing I think is quite helpful is having a very competent group of people and everyone doesn't start out that way so it's more work at first but like helping other people get up to speed that want to help out and creating a culture where so like if i'm in charge of setting up i'm, I'm md and i've got five people setting up stages or six people there are people that i know are solid i'm like hey i don't even have to check on that person then the next person needs more help like hey you send people over to help them and it's the same thing with ro's like hey you, you completed your ro class are you comfortable you know running the timer Like they might not volunteer, but if you ask people, hey, would you run the timer? Hey, you know, make sure they have support, whatever. uh, Then, you know, more people get qualified and that's less you have to do it. So you don't want to carry the weight of the world on your back because you're just going to be burned out and frustrated. So like what these guys are saying, you have to, you know, ask other people to help or, you know, train people or encourage other people to step up if they're not comfortable. So they get more comfortable and then. It just makes life better for everyone. Because the ideal situation is being in a club match where I've got, let's say, half of the squad is an RO, you know, or a third of it. And then it's like, hey, there's everyone that can help out. So I'm sorry, Matt, what are you going to say?
3: One of the things is you have to pass off that stuff so other people learn it also. If you take the tablet and score every time, no one else is going to learn it. Mm -hmm. So you have to pass it off or you have to, like, Give it to somebody new. Explain them what they're doing, and then walk them around it.
0: Like right. And I will. Right? I will say this: this is not to sound too boomerish, but uh, like the the RO etiquette and scoring etiquette. I mean, not not the rules piece of it,
1: mm-hmm. but as
0: far as how people do those jobs, that's loosened up dramatically in the last few years. Um, you know, it used to be like you when you were calling off scores as a range officer, people would always be like calling it back to you and be like very communicative. And now it's people just kind of follow behind with the tablet. It's not really clear what they're doing because they're not really verbally communicating that well. Right. That seems like that's loosened up a ton. But I mean, that's that's where you have an opportunity to explain to people like, hey, maybe you don't see everyone doing this, but this is kind of best practice where it's like you're doing you do this job this way and it's Mm -hmm. for this reason. So that when you're interacting with somebody that you don't know that well, like at a match where you're like away from home or something, then you guys are on the same sheet of music always. Mm -hmm. It's Also, club level dependent. So like.
3: Some of the cultures of the club is it's ran just like a major match, like you don't score ahead or anything like that. And some is like, well, you go to the set of the targets on the left Mm -hmm. and you just pace that and holler scores out at the end while they're scoring the right. It's it's really club dependent on that, and and it's probably actually
2: squad dependent also. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. One thing, uh, one thing Richmond did to kind of help up if it's like a an issue of just not having enough ROs on a squad is there's kind of a group of people that have agreed to be distributed throughout the match, and basically they make sure that there's enough ROs on every squad so that doesn't happen.
1: I agree uh ben i think we knocked that question out of the park do you have more sir
0: more questions i have one more she's a bit of a doozy so here we go oh boy hey ben and crew i'm new to uspsa as of june 2020 i've taken it pretty seriously i made m class as my initial classification i make this point not to show that i'm not a fucking idiot and i have above average gun handling skills i've shot my first major match at area 8 this past weekend i got disqualified for sweeping an ro Obviously, I'm, I'm biased, but match Video shows that I clearly could not have done what the RO claims I did. Even if I did, there's no way he could have seen it from where he was and how my body was oriented. Turns out the R who DQ'd me was a 19-year-old D-class shooter who ended up dead last. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't mean to, I'm Just not going to say anymore. <laughs> I don't want to dox this. God damn it, box. Anyway, his attitude made it uh, seem that he was there to gotcha rather than do his job fairly. He seemed to take the call personally as well. I shot this match on the same squad as I'm not going to name this person, but it's one of our boys.
1: So we'll maybe, we'll get, maybe we'll, more get anonymous.
0: we'll get a different side of uh, the story. If we talk to him, maybe I stayed for a couple stages after my DQ to help the squad paste the score the scoring R on one of the next stages insisted that shooter X like our guy, uh, had shot through a prop or whatever, uh, Okay, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he he watched basically a guy get boned on a call, like in his estimation. So I say all this to ask, how can there be so much riding on he said, she said bullshit, especially when so many ROs seem to take it personally? How can I invest the time and money required to compete in major match knowing that an egotistical RO can fuck me over just because he feels like it? I feel like I have a lot of potential in this sport. But I almost feel like saying fuck it and buying a set of golf clubs. Are there any rules or checks that could realistically be put in place to prevent the kind of BS that I outlined above? So let's answer the first part of his question first. Um, How can he invest the time and money required to compete in this if this is the kind of the officiating environment? Like, let's let's take a let's I don't think we have to address, like, whether or not you perceive this to be the environment. But this is what he perceives. How can he invest the time and money? Anybody?
2: I honestly don't have a fucking good answer for that.
0: You can't. If this yeah. is if this is your perception of the situation, you should you just should necessarily sell your your guns and buy golf clubs. But like if you think going to a, an area match that it's gonna there's not going to be blown calls or there's not going to be issues. Um, yeah you're it's it's not going to happen like that and in my estimation this this trend has been headed in the wrong direction for a while not the right direction so i don't blame you for feeling this way and full disclosure if i started shooting in 2020 as opposed to when i started in 2005 um, my life would probably take a very different track because i i i also i'd look at this and be like Yep, I'm not I'm not gonna go that hard at this because the officiating's pretty lax and I, I don't like it. So I I mean I agree with him on that personally. But I don't have a good answer for it. You just be like, Yeah, just don't take it as seriously because just don't. It's gonna piss you off. So don't take it that seriously.
1: It's weird. Would... So Go ahead, Matt.
3: I don't know. It's that... Like I don't know how to get around the judgment calls on one eighties or stuff like that. You don't. There's no yeah, way around it. There's no way yeah, around it's, it, it. It's so. literally
2: whatever the RO says is what fucking happened regardless of if it's true, and I think that's a massive problem. But there's no good answer on how to address it really.
0: Oh well. I'm glad you said that, Stevie. So um no, I mean the the way you'd address it, I would I would say there'd be there's four points that I would Well, five, really. So you could have a five-point plan to uh, to actually address this. So number one would be changing stage design, especially for major matches. So if you're going to rigidly enforce a 180-degree safe angle, for example, which makes sense to me, yeah, have a 180 and rigidly enforce it, okay. Um, Like the the stage that you guys were talking about where there's targets set essentially on the safe angle, don't fucking do that just don't do it. Don't build stages that way. Like not as a matter of habit, but like by rule, like we're going to build in like a buffer, like five, 10, like some buffer of, uh, kind of space where you have a little bit of leeway from where you're engaging the targets to the safe angle. And that's for that reason specifically to reduce the, you know, the chance of people like if, you, if we're going to DQ people for breaking the 180 by, we think, one degree, you know, then Dark don't put targets sense. anywhere near that if that's what you're going to do. Hey, that would be a, a stage design thing
1: to change. And Ben, to briefly add, and then put in walls or barrels or ports or whatever. Well, so that's already in I, the
0: rules, but that's not I, really enforced.
1: Yeah, if I see a target, I can shoot it. Like, that's – if any match right. IMD, that's, that's the rule.
0: That, no, that's that's, like, yeah, that's, that's my the rule, rule in the rule book, man. Yes, oh, so. is it really?
1: Okay, that's yeah, not that's
0: not really Joel's law, it. that's actually a oh. rule, but that's no,
2: not right. at least right.
0: okay. Um, so that would be one way. So changing stage design, like, um, I would also say arbitration is a process that looks good on paper, in practice, it's completely fucked and broken.
1: Um,
0: no, I mean, honestly, it's a joke, honestly, it's you, a joke. it is, it's a joke, it's, it's a donation you yeah. do not have a way to push back on calls you disagree with in a meaningful way that forces the people running the show to actually address them. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem because arbitration's a fucking joke. As far as weeding out bad ROs, like if there are ROs going around looking to DQ people and enjoying doing that, which we all know they're out there. There are bad ROs out They've
3: there. We've all shot enough that we know they exist. Yes, yeah.
0: they exist. Like the, like, Again, there is a process for disciplining ROs. I, I've never heard of an RO being disciplined in any way, shape, or form. And with an organization as big as we have now, there should be ROs losing their credentials occasionally, like if that process were taken seriously. But it's not, it's a fucking joke. So there's no, there's no check put on, on range officer in, in that way. And again, I
2: remember,
0: that's I a problem. My
2: first major match ever i think it was like my third stage there was an ro that was he made it a habit he did it to i believe six different shooters on an unloaded start claiming they all put 11 in the gun just like habitually accusing production shooters of doing it turns out he was shooting production and he was trying right, to well open. yeah i mean that's the type of stuff
0: that'd be like you're gonna lose your like what ought to happen is you ought to lose his ro credentials mm-hmm. and then like Maybe like that's where you maybe like like are you like cheating? Are you like trying to host people? Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, that like that would be a realistic change. And then like a culture shift as far as uh ROing, like like as a thing. It should not be an anti-shooter thing. Everybody should act as an RO on some level, meaning we're all responsible to make sure the match is safe and fair. And everybody kind of takes ownership over that, even if they're not like the RO. Like everybody should be kind of keeping an eye on things, and then ROs themselves should have a pretty, you know, I, I would say uh, I'd like to see a less authoritarian attitude from some of them, and I would like to see a more active attitude from a lot. A lot of ROs kind of act powerless to solve problems. Whereas, like, so you guys are at Area 8. There's a stage that clearly isn't going to work. It's a problem, and you're actually surprised that it gets dumped day one of the match.
3: 100% because surprise. Because
0: we all know that the the normal thing is they never want to lose a stage, even if when it's fucked and it's causing a lot of problems. Um, typically people wait way too long to go and actively address a problem. They wait until the problem becomes so big, they can't ignore it. And that, again, that's a problem. And I think, and I think it's because we really don't have a way to push back on uh, poor, like poor range officering or poor match management. Like you, there is no effective way for you know, to have a protest or not i mean don't mean like a i don't mean like a political protest but i mean like like protest <laughs> I, I mean like protest burns, the call down.
3: yeah i mean like burn hey, it down. You, yeah i mean like <laughs>
0: hey this this call or this stage is fucked up and then actually force the the match to address the issue like we don't there's no system in way. place to do that that's not how it works yeah. and again like it'd be cool if arbitration got kind of reformed so it actually was effective you know what I mean? And
3: I think a good way to, to start that would be to allow video in I was just about. Oh, that was good.
0: Ah, shit. I said five. That was the fifth thing. Yeah, allowing video. Like, I agree. Especially on, like,
3: 11 in the gun or whatever, mm-hmm. that should easily oh, yeah. be arbitratable, like, with video. Like, if you have Look, a video the, and it you shoot 10 right. rounds and, like, the slide lock's back.
0: The thing is, like the the attitude right now from the guys up top is they're just not interested in having this conversation.
3: No, not at all. They like they're not interested.
0: Like they they made the call, like go fuck yourself is the attitude, and that's it. And they don't understand like this is the other side of it. This is a guy's like, Hey, why should I invest my life into this? And this is me, a guy who's invested his life into this, saying, like, yeah, I don't blame you. You probably shouldn't. You should probably go, you should invest your life in something else. Because I don't see this situation changing, and if this situation bothers you, you're probably just going to get more bothered the more yeah. effort you put into it.
1: You're like it's like called talking yourself out of a sale, and like I hate to do that, but if he's already at this point, if he's not like hooked, yeah, like it, oh I can't wait to do this more, like this early in, if he's already no, had no. a lot of reservations, you're, I that's... don't
0: think you, I don't think you're hearing it. The dude is all about shooting sport; yeah. he just doesn't okay. like the way matches are officiated.
1: Well, yeah. I mean,
2: that's kind of why I pulled back from matches for a while. I, I preferred training over going to the matches because it was just a whole fucking thing that I just yeah. didn't want to deal with. you know. Yeah, but I loved training, so I would train a fuck ton, but I wouldn't go to matches.
0: Yeah, well. There it is. Well, that's the questions we have, guys. So, Joel, <laughs> you should take us out of the show. Hey, oh, hold on. Stefan, if you'd like to win an area match in single stack, by 67% like Steve Newell did, you should sign up for the, the class that Steve Newell and I are putting on in California. Tell how do I more. register for that, Steven?
1: How do I get a hold of that? Yeah.
0: I wanna oh. win by 75% just like Steve did. Tell me more, how do we accomplish that?
2: Um, so uh, if you're interested in taking this class, it's September 26th and 27th, the last weekend of September at Richmond and Gun Club. It's in the Bay Area email renewalwell at Gmail and uh, just let me know and then we'll if you uh, and if you, that, uh, if you forget
0: that uh, if you forget his email address go to com. click on take a class scroll down till you see the California dates and then it'll have Steve's email address there so you can register for the class please don't be one of the people that goes to my website scrolls down finds the class looks at the class contact organizer email and then emails me the type mm-hmm. of, don't be that person just instagram that's, message that's, him that is a that is
1: a that
0: is
2: not
0: i just read that i'm like god damn it like the first time he's not
2: what are you talking to, to me
0: for i have organizers for this like i can't register you for my class i know that sounds weird to you but i can't do that i don't have the ability to make that happen we got to get this person involved because i don't have time to run this shit i don't have time to do anything
1: anyway this is true all right well on that note i think it was a bang up show guys yeah Yeah. been out fuckers hey listeners if you have a question you'd like (laughs) the answer to go to my website bensteger.com send us a question we'd love to hear from you (laughs) are they okay